the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're in Romans 10, if you want to turn there. And what we're talking about, Paul, in, the, in that section of Scripture, has been contrasting faith righteousness with law righteousness. And the Jews sought to abuse the law by making it a pathway to righteousness. We talk about that by works. They wanted to create their own righteousness apart from God. That is the bent of the flesh to ever ground our security and our hope in ourselves. And however, what happened was that the law abused them because they were never able to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. And we looked at Romans 9.31 where it says, Whereas Israel, though ever in the pursuit of a law for the securing of righteousness, right standing with God, actually did not succeed in fulfilling the law. And you notice in that verse, it says, Ever in pursuit of a law ever in pursuit of a law, but never succeeded in fulfilling the law. In other words, they looked for a hurdle that they could clear. They looked for something that they could fulfill. And we get misdirected in our own lives, and that's where the dream gets ahead of the one who gave it to you, because you see something before you, and you really believe that you can fulfill it, and then the work of God is all about fulfilling that dream. That's an A-law. And when we do that, we neglect the, the one who gave us the dream. Well, that's what was going on with the uh, children of Israel. They were looking for something that they could do, that they could find justification in and identity in. The law was never meant to be a basis of relationship. Now, that says more than just about the Mosaic law and the Jewish law. What God is saying is, I've never called you into an economy with myself. I've never called you into an economy that says, you do this and I do that. You act this way and I'll bless you. You act this way and I'll curse you. God never called us into an economy. He called us into a relationship that is based on Him and Him alone. We do not negotiate. We do not earn. We do not gather unto ourselves. We receive. Well, that's hard on the flesh. The flesh would rather earn. Now, Moses gave a protective law. 
but not a saving law. And if you go back and look at it and understand it in that context, you see, the law that God gave through Moses was meant to protect and preserve Israel. It was never meant to be Israel's salvation. That's where we went off. That's where they lost the God of the dream. It was meant to protect and preserve Israel as God's people, not to make that nation righteous. The law offered no salvation or mercy for the lawbreaker. If you broke the law on one point, you broke all the law. Salvation is by grace alone, through Christ. Those who sought to find righteousness through achieving the law would have to isolate a law that they could keep and say, I'm righteous because I keep that one law. And you know what? Christians do the same thing. They base their relationship with God on the things that they do, on the attitudes or the performance of their religious activities, rather than upon the relationship, the intimacy, the union that they have with God. So we can see a lot of ourselves in what goes on here with the Jews. Salvation is by grace alone, and faith is the only pathway to salvation, and it's through Christ alone. Now, Christ was the stone that the Jews stumbled over. Because in order to embrace Christ by faith, the Jew would have to set aside their way of life and look at it from a whole new perspective. They would have to literally set aside their whole way of thinking, their whole way of living. Remember, everything was based on the law. How they dressed, how they ate, where they went, who they gathered with, everything. Their names, their activities, it was all based on the law. And in order for them to disregard the law, in order to embrace grace, they would literally have to put aside what they had based the entirety of their lives on in some way or another. They would have to step out of this self-righteousness that was created by their ability to keep some of the law. They would have to step out of their societal righteousness that literally allowed them to conform to a specific image, thereby making them acceptable to God. They would have to step out of that as well. Well, you see, that wasn't so easy. That wasn't so easy. But you know what? God has called us to the same thing as Christians. God called us literally to step out of our getting our needs met by our own hands. God called us to step out of literally creating our own image to live to. God called us to step out of our self-righteousness based on our religious works. God called us to step out of how we view ourselves and view others. He calls us to step out of living to this flesh and begin to live unto Him. He called us to step out of seeing ourselves as flesh into becoming the new creation, the spiritual being. He has literally asked us to put aside everything that was in order to embrace all that is through Christ Jesus as a new creation. You see, he called us to be a new person, a new being. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he literally made us that. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether, totally different species. 
The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. If any person is engrafted. Now that that means Jew, Gentile. They are born again into a new life. The old life is no longer their life. That's what we're talking about. Now, if you were all fish and I could turn you all into birds, could you comfortably go back to being a fish? Would it work for you? Could you live in it comfortably? You see, the problem is, is that when we became a new creation, we didn't change suits, the earth suit. So we believe that we're still the suit. But there are a lot of different suits in here. And I got to say, the younger ones do look better than the older ones. But they're all suits. But that's not who we are as Christians. God has called us to a new life. Well, what does that mean as a new life? And this is where it becomes that all-in mentality. What does it mean? Well, suddenly I don't see the world the way the world does. Suddenly my appetite should not be the same. A bird and a fish don't eat the same. Suddenly what I enjoy cannot be the same. A bird enjoys different things than a fish enjoys. Suddenly the things and places that I go are going to be different. The people that I gather about me are going to be different. My very expression is supposed to be different. And you know what? The enemy wants to say when you become a child of God, well, you better figure out how to fit that into the world's paradigm. You need to measure up to what the world's living to. You got to live by their definitions. If you want to be blessed, you got to be blessed as the world says blessing is. If you want to be secure, you got to be secure as the world says security is. If you want beauty, you've got to know what the world calls beautiful. Listen, God has given us a whole different dictionary to live out of. And why? Is that the law? Heck, no, it's not the law. It's not the law. Is it the law for me to tell my grandson to walk on two legs? Is that the law? No, it's not the law. Why? Because he was created to walk on two legs. But you see, God does not have to impose the truth on us. We've been created for the truth. Literally created for the truth. But the enemy wants to reverse that around. And he says, God is forcing you to walk on two legs. God is forcing you to act like a human being. God is forcing you to do what comes natural. You know what? God is not forcing me. I have discovered that loving him, walking in fellowship with him, seeking him, seeing him in the world around me, walking in the truth of his security, his provision, his life suits me. God doesn't force me to live that way. The other way just hurts too much to be consistent in. That's the truth of it. That's not the law. That's how I'm made. That's Galatians 2.20, by the way. The law could never give life. It can only take life. We receive life through faith in Christ alone. So Christ is the end of the law for all who believe. We read that in Romans 10.4. It says that for Christ is the end of the law, the limit at which it ceases to be. For the law leads up to him who is the fulfillment of its types. And in him, the purpose which it was designed to accomplish is fulfilled. 
That is, the purpose of the law is fulfilled in him as the means of righteousness, right relationship to God for everyone who trusts in, adheres to, and relies on him. In other words, as we embrace the truth by faith that Christ is the fulfillment of the law, that he, by the work of God, literally brought us out of the grave as a new creation who lives in the character of God, which is prescribed by the law, I can now say that Christ in me is not only the hope of fulfillment of the law, but the activity of the fulfillment of the law. Well, that's a whole lot better. But I, I can only say that confidently by faith. By faith. By faith, I walk in the truth of my fellowship with God. By faith, I know that the things of this world don't suit me. By faith, I understand how it is that I am to live with Christ as life. By faith, not by sight. I told this the other night. One of my kids came up to me and he says, said to me, You know, Dad, I'd really determined to trust God in this specific area of my life. And it's disappointing to me because I find myself constantly asking God why and when, how. I don't feel like he's working. I don't feel like he's in it. I constantly want to know what he's doing. I don't feel like he's doing it. You know, anything in this. And it's, it's just this, this feeling that I'm being so unfaithful to what I determined to do. And I said, well, I see the problem. Problem is, is you're defining faith by your feelings. The issue is not what you feel. The issue is what you determine to believe. Because I got to tell you, do, does everybody here wake up feeling like they're in union with Christ? Huh? Does everybody in here walk around with the desire, the overwhelming urge to rejoice all day long? No. You see, there is a way and not the way. There is truth and then there is not the truth. And we were created for these things. We are not to create these things in us, which is what we've heard in religious circles for so long. We don't create these things in us. We literally confess the truth of them. So I get up in the morning. By faith, I determine to confess the truth. Christ is my life. I am in union with him. He is my hope. He is my joy. Everything that happens to me today will be in the plan of God. I will live in the purposes of God this day. I will see Him about me in all that I enter into. I will recognize His presence. I will rejoice in His presence. I will love Him. I will minister His life. I will be at the throne all day long. Do I feel like that? Does my day look like that? Faith. Faith. It may or it may not. But like that water pressure issue, you'll see it erupt. And you'll say, yeah, it's been there. Yeah, it's been there. Yes, his presence is here. And what a delight. Again, the old covenant was protective it was meant to be a protection 
and a preservation of the children of Israel. Did you hear what I said? The old covenant. That's what the law is encased in. The old covenant was meant to be for the protection and the preservation of the children of Israel. Now, it is a shadow of the new covenant, which brought about eternal salvation and the birth of the children of God. Do you see the differences? This life is, is simply received through faith in Christ. It's not far away, as the verses reflect. It's on your lips because the Spirit's invitation is all about you. Romans ten nine says, Because if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and in your heart believe, adhere to, trust in, and rely on the truth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me ask you a question. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, does that make him Lord? No. You just entered into the reality that he is Lord. That's what happened. And in your heart, believe, adhere, and trust in, believe in an existent truth. Rely on and trust in, in an existent truth. That God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart a person believes, adheres to, trusts in, and relies on Christ, and so is justified, declared righteous, acceptable to God. And with the mouth he confesses, declares openly, and speaks out freely his faith, and confirms his salvation. And does what? And confirms his salvation. It is with the heart that we embrace with faith the revealed truth of salvation through Christ. Now, in this verse, the context of this word is that the heart is the center of your being. It is the center of your life, okay? Now, before you were a Christian, the heart was the center of your corruption. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural, non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, meaningless nonsense to him. And he is incapable, incapable of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. How are they discerned? Spiritually. It is the Spirit of God that invites us to believe. The unregenerate heart is not naturally inclined to believe. Do we understand that? We have people out there that call themselves seekers. Well, they're not seekers. The fact is that God is a pursuer. He pursues them. If they were truly seeking, they would have already found. But without the pursuit of God and the work of the Spirit of God, they wrongly define what they're seeking. They're not seeking God. They're seeking a substitute for God. They would not be inclined to seek after Him. The unregenerate heart is not naturally inclined to believe. God pursues us with the opportunity to believe, and we choose and received by faith, not by understanding. Do you understand that? 
We receive by faith, not by understanding. If it were by understanding, it would not be by faith. Now see the progression here. The lost man has no inclination to understand, no inclination to believe. The Spirit of God brings revelation, pursues, woos, courts the heart of a lost man. Why? Isn't God sovereign? Doesn't he know that guy will never get saved? Of course he knows. But it is God, and he is love, and it is his heart, and he is not willing that any should perish. So he'll pursue them till they die, even though he knows they'll hit the other side, the wrong side. He knows that. Now look, they have no inclination to pursue, but God pursues them. Now how do they receive? How do they know? The Spirit of God makes it plain. It is a spiritual revelation. It is not a fleshly understanding. That is why you can have lost people who have the Bible memorized, but they don't know him. They don't know him. They don't have any understanding of who he is. They just know about him. Listen, if salvation was received through understanding, then salvation would be limited to those who could intellectually perceive it. Well, that leaves a lot of us out, right? But it's not given through our understanding. It's given through the work of the Spirit. And because of it's given by faith, it allows the very weakest of us to receive. When a man believes with his heart, he will want to confess and express this new life. Confession does not save. It affirms and bears witness to the truth. But it has no part in creating the truth. Words of the mouth do not save, but faith from the heart allows us to receive salvation. Now, do you understand what I'm saying there? We have to receive with our heart, believe with our heart. Many of us have taken evangelism courses. I've taken several. And a lot of those were all about getting somebody to pray the sinner's prayer. Y'all familiar with that? It's all about getting him to pray the sinner's prayer. And, and my attitude was, well, look, what do you got to lose? All you got to do is just pray after me. Well, I don't know whether those people got saved or not, but I can tell you this. If they didn't believe with their heart, if they didn't answer the Spirit's call, all they did was mumble some words. It never went anywhere. You see, salvation is not at the invitation of man. It's at the invitation of God. Apart from that, that's not salvation. That's religious activity. Romans 10, verse 11. The scripture says, No man who believes in him, who adheres to, relies on, and trusts in him, will ever be put to shame or be disappointed. Now, Paul is referencing Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. Paul is not talking about being ashamed of Jesus as Lord. And I've heard that preached that way, and that's not the truth of it. Paul is not talking about being ashamed of Jesus as Lord. He is referencing the fullness and the richness of the life that we have received through Christ. It has delivered us of guilt and shame before God. We have nothing to fear in regards to judgment because of the finished work of Christ, which we've received by faith. He's saying, you won't be ashamed. You won't be ashamed. Romans 8, 1, we just looked at that verse not too long ago. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no adjudging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the Spirit. 
You see, we're not to live in the shadow of our failures, but in the light of our full acceptance by Christ. We have nothing to be ashamed of in regards to our relationship with Christ. Do you realize that? That's hard to embrace. But I don't care where you've been or what you've done, you have nothing to be ashamed of in regards to your relationship with Christ. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. He took it all. And you see, Jesus didn't accept you with blinders on. He accepted you with the full knowledge of the entirety of your life and every mistake and every wrongdoing and every failure, every bit of unbelief and rebellion. He had to take it all to the cross. He was intimately familiar with your failures. But because of his great love for us, he took it all to the cross. We must also consider... When Paul's speaking about not being ashamed, we must consider the people of that day. In their confession of Christ, they potentially faced rejection from everyone they knew. If they were Jewish, they could be regarded as dead and cast from their families. Gentiles didn't have it that rough, but certainly they faced ridicule and rejection. Their lives had been changed, but Paul says no one regretted it. Romans 10, 12 says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord over all of us, and he generously bestows his riches upon all who call upon him in faith. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to his life in every situation. Rest in his life moment by moment and receive from his life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.